So I want to talk to you a few minutes today about a compromising devil and a no-compromise God. I want you to say that with me, a compromising devil and a no-compromise God. They got into it in the books of Exodus, down in Egypt where they were holding God's people in bondage. And I want to talk to you about the concession Satan is willing to make as long as he can keep his influence and control in a life. He don't want you near a church. He don't want you to even think about God. He certainly doesn't want you coming to know Christ as your Savior. But if you decide, because he can't stop you, because you have freedom of choice and freedom of will, he doesn't control your will. He seeks to influence your will, but he doesn't control it. In the image of God in which we're made, it's not our physical being, because God is a spirit. So it's not in the physical sense that we're in his image. Part of being in his image is that God is sovereign. God wills and God chooses without any outside influences. We have something of that in us. We have the power to choose. Every person on this planet has the power to choose. And it's a sovereign power that God has given us. He will influence it to make the right decisions, but he will not force it. Satan will influence it to make the wrong decision, but he cannot force it. Are you listening to me carefully? God won't force your will, and Satan can't force your will. But he can put the bait out before you and try to tempt you to take it. He will use every trick in his book, and he will make concessions. There are people that have been to church, been baptized in water, and assume that that's all there is to salvation and have never been born again. And they come forth all the time, testimonies of people raised in church, christened when they were a baby, baptized when they became an adult, and yet never knew Christ as their Savior. Never, ever knew Jesus as their Savior. John Newton came to the Lord during a storm. <laughs> it, there, there, no, it wasn't Newton. It was one of the great preachers. I don't know which one it was, but it was. he was in a storm. He was raised in church. He went on to be a prince of preachers. I don't know if it was Spurgeon or someone from that era. And it was in a storm on one of those sailing ships when it looked like they were not going to make it that he realized that he wasn't ready to meet the Lord if they didn't make it. And it took that kind of coming face to face with where I'm going to spend eternity and do I have the peace to face the certainty of death knowing where I'm going after it's over. And it jolted him in the reality. I need that peace. I need that blessed assurance within. And just going to church didn't give it to me. I need to know Jesus as my Savior. I need to know him powerfully and personally. Can you say man? I mean, no church can't save you. All of our church activities can't save. No man can give you absolution. There's only one high priest that can give you absolution, to give you absolute 
confidence that you are ready to stand before God, and that's the mediator. There's one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the man, Jesus Christ. Can you say man? Hallelujah. But the devil will make concessions to keep you from going all the way with God. He would give, rather you have a false sense of security than you be an atheist. Because an atheist is a candidate to come to know Christ and to come to know the reality of God. And many of them do. Some of them don't to the end. But many of them do. So he would rather give you a false sense of security. Did you know where the great revivals are taking place today? In countries that were formerly absolute atheistic children raised on Marxism, communism, and atheism. And God is pouring out his spirit in red China, communistic, atheistic. Oh, yeah, there's a church. It is approved by the government. They can't even preach in that church the soon coming of Jesus. You can be arrested for preaching the soon coming of Christ or the coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. Why? Because they're afraid that people will will want to overthrow them. They want to maintain the the influence and control over them. So they have to filter what is preached in a sanctioned church in China. So the church has went underground. There's an underground church. And here's something that I'm so proud of, uh, a youth movement today, that the leaders of that church are usually 35 and under. They are not the white-headed sages like Watchman Nee. How many has ever heard of Watchman Nee, who's written many devotional books? They were not of his caliber. They were not in his time. But they are totally sold out to Jesus Christ. One man met one of the leaders of the underground church, said he was about 35 years old. He had been in prison. They made him drink his own urine. They beat him. They starved him and threatened to kill him. And he never budged. He never compromised. He, co- he lived a committed life before the Lord. I'll tell you something. In these last days when the falling away begins, and I personally believe there are people who will disagree with that and put it in another time frame, but look around you. I believe the falling away has begun. It will intensify during when the Antichrist comes on the scene, when the true church is taken, there will be wholesale compromise and Christians will be persecuted on a scale that they have never experienced before. But right now, we are in the beginning of sorrows. The Bible said certain signs would indicate the end is not yet, but these be the beginning of sorrows. And the word sorrows is the word in the Greek, birth pangs. A woman goes into labor. What is the first sign? That it's time for the birth. She starts having those contractions, and she feels it, and she knows the time is coming. The beginning of sorrows means that the birth pangs have started. And there is a scripture that literally talks about the end in the New Testament, and it says this generation that sees these peculiar particular signs. It's not date setting. It is setting a season for his coming. This generation, this generation that sees these signs, it shall not pass away. Those people born in that time period will not pass away. One of the signs was the regathering 
of the nation of Israel to their land after 2,000 years of being scattered to the nations of the world and having no homeland. I was born in 1947, early part, January the 20th, just so you can get my Escalade when my birthday comes up. That's not part of the sermon. That's just me. I'm just kidding. I don't. But if you want to, that would be fine. Anyway, listen to me. In 1948, Israel became a nation. I call it the domino effect. There are certain things that begin to occur that will lead to the fulfillment of everything he said that was going to happen. When Israel became a nation, I believe the first domino indicating the end time, the beginning of sorrows, I believe when that domino started. Have you ever seen people set up a pattern in dominoes? I mean, some big complex pattern with maybe 2,000 dominoes. You see it on YouTube. It's pretty incredible. They're spaced perfectly, and they just tip the first one, and it starts a chain reaction. Jesus is talking about a domino effect. A generation that sees this will not pass until, say, boy, you're a good congregation. Hallelujah. We can illustrate this message. This generation shall not pass until what? Until the whole thing is completely fulfilled. Once it begins, it quickly runs and finishes. Can you say amen? And there's a generation that's going to be on the earth during the beginning of sorrows that's going to see all that is coming come to the earth and upon the earth. I'm so glad to be a Christian in the beginning of sorrows. Can you say, man, I was born in 48. Do you know what that means? That means I could see the return of the Lord if I lived to be as old as Brother Taylor. <laughs> and he could see the coming of the Lord if he lives another day. In fact, he could see it today before he gets home. The Bible said you need to be ready. You need to be ready while, the, while everybody else is just looking to deepen their, their roots in this old world. You need to be ready. Be ye also ready. We change the words to a Christian song in light of that scripture. Our pastor said we can't sing it like that. You know what the song was? I'm getting ready. If you're getting ready, you're one of the five foolish virgins. There's going to be no time to get ready. Jesus never said to get ready. Jesus said to be ye all so ready. In the moment, in the now, for in an hour you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Can you say, man, as a thief in the night, as the lightning shines from the east to the west, be ye also ready. So we quit singing. He wouldn't let us. <laughs> he said, you don't sing it like that. If you're getting ready, you won't be ready because you ought to be ready. You either are ready or you aren't ready. He challenged us to check ourselves out. Are you ready to meet the Lord? By the way, if you're ready to meet the Lord, you're ready to meet anything. If death comes to me today, I'm just as ready to die as I am to go to heaven and live forever when he comes. The readiness to meet the Lord makes you ready for anything. And to them that look, he shall appear. The second time without sin unto glory. Hallelujah. How many are looking for his return? 
How many long for his return? How many would be glad if he came today? Well, I'm packing up, getting ready to go. I'm packing up, getting ready to go. Well, I'm packing up and getting ready to go. I don't know the rest of the song, but I'm ready to go. Can you say, man, I'm packed I'm ready. I'm not packing up. So we begin to sing it like this. I am ready to leave this world. I am ready for the gates of pearl. Keeping my records bright. Watching both day and night. I am ready to leave this world. To prepare a mansion, Jesus said, I'll go. If it were not so, I would have told you so. Hallelujah. Just a little while to linger here below i'm ready to leave this world friend of mine that is the attitude that we need to live in right here right now in our life jesus is coming soon everybody say a no compromise god versus a compromising devil well let's read this story exodus 4 22 and 23 i'm just going to highlight how many know the, basically the story of Exodus and the fact that God sent plagues and, and the Passover was established because of what happened when his children were held bondage down in Egypt? The command to Satan was, let my people go. The command to his people is to come out. The command to the devil is let my people go. And the command to his people is to come out. It's not enough that the devil is commanded to let people go. They have to come out of his prison. All of heaven. There's nobody in such bondage that God can't break whatever that chain is. There's no chain that God cannot and will not break. There are people who don't want to give up the sin in their life. They don't want. They want something to give them hope for heaven without turning their back on their sin and repenting of it. And there's churches that are, have been, I call them designer churches. They are designed specifically to make the necessary concessions and compromises so that people can have a false sense of security. The devil would much rather you feel like you're saved and not be saved than to feel convicted and concerned about your soul. And God wants you to not be concerned. He wants you to know that you know that you are saved and ready for his coming and ready for death when it comes. Death where's your sting grave where's your victory death is swallowed up in victory can you say man listen carefully exodus 4 22 and 23 and thou shalt say unto pharaoh thus saith the lord israel is my son even my firstborn and when god comes into covenant with people he speaks of them from that moment forward possessively you belong to me, can you say, man, isn't that good? Doesn't it, doesn't it feel good for God to speak of you possessively? That you belong to him. 
He said, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you in the New Testament. For what fellowship hath light with darkness and Christ with Belial? Literally, the devil himself. How can, how can, how can you compromise and, and how halt ye between two decisions? Choose you this day who you're going to serve. You can't serve two masters. You will love one and hate the other, hate one and love the other. You can't be Mr. In-Between, Mrs. In-Between. Joshua put it clear in Joshua 24, 15. If Baal is God... Then serve him, serve him, serve him. If, if it feels good to you, seems good to you to serve the God that your fathers compromised and served, if Baal is God, then serve him. But if the Lord is God, serve him. Choose you this day who you're going to serve. And he didn't wait to see what their decision was. He made a personal commitment. And you need to not look at what your friends or someone else in some church somewhere is doing or not doing. This is between you and Him, not you and them. You're not, you're not going to stand with them before Him. You're going to stand personally and account to Him. So I don't know what other preachers are doing, but I know what I'm doing. Can you say, man, I can't answer for them, but I can answer to Him. For I have not shunned to declare unto you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, I am pure from the blood of all men. If you go to hell, you can't say nobody ever told you what you needed to know to go to heaven. Amen? If you're in a church where someone is not job scared, the hireling does what when the wolf comes? The hireling runs. It's not my sheep. I have no investment in those sheep. I don't care if the wolf takes them as long as I'm saved. Amen. But the, but the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He said he's going to have to kill me before he can hurt you. Can you say amen? Listen to this carefully. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son. Oh, let me finish this New Testament. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Everybody say Israel is my son. That's what God said to them. They do not belong to Pharaoh. He claims them as slaves. They do not belong to him. They belong to me. They're children of the covenant. Friend, you don't belong to this world. You don't belong to the devil. You belong to God today. And he said, I want you to act like you belong to me because you do, in fact, belong to me. He speaks of you possessively, possessively, possessively. Those that my Father hath given me, they belong to me. They belong to me, and no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. You can turn. You have a sovereign will, but no man, no demon, no devil is able to overcome you. You have to make a decision to go back. He can't make you go anywhere. Thank God. God will influence you. He won't make you serve Him. But He will give you every reason to serve Him. He will stimulate love and devotion by giving His Son for you. Can you say, man? Hallelujah. He won't make you go to heaven like some are saying. But if you want to go to heaven, hell can't keep you from it. Because when push comes to shove, you will choose 
God doesn't compromise on these issues. You cannot serve two masters. For you will hate the one and love the other, or love the one and hate the other. There's no liking God a little bit. He calls for true and absolute devotion. Not only does he demand it, he deserves it. Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would say, not my will, thine for? A lady that used to sing with a group of people, not sing, but go to conferences and speak. And the lady was known for her straightforward, non-compromised approach to God's word. We have a a tape here of, of uh, or a disc of, of the women of faith. And they always had speakers. Sheila Walsh is usually a speaker for them and other speakers. It was a, another organization very similar that would fill an auditorium. And this lady had a reputation for no compromising the word of God. I've got that reputation. I'm not liberal enough for the liberals. They don't like me. I'm not, the legalists don't like me. Because I hate legalism. I believe in the grace of God. So I'm Mr. In-Between. If I preach everybody in here is going to hell, if you don't wear your hair a certain way, there are people that would come and join our church. (laughs) Amen. Because they want to hear that. If I preach that that guy that wrote me the letter is going to heaven because he received Jesus, they don't like that either. They believe he ought to go to hell. And we'd be glad to see him go. But there's a balance in the Word of God. But one thing is for sure, there is no compromise in the Word of God. The road that leads to destruction, broad is the way, wide is the gate, and many disconcerting words of Jesus. Jesus said it. Jesus said it. Many. And therefore, most people are going there. Many. Go in there at. But the road that leads to eternal life is a straight gate. And a narrow, straight is the way, narrow is the gate that leads to eternal life. Few, say it with me, few, few there be that find it. This idea that somehow everybody, there's some back way to heaven, back door to heaven, that God in his love would never send anyone to hell. That's a lie from the pit of hell. You would think hell doesn't exist and there are preachers today during the falling away that are preaching there is no literal hell. It was figurative. Jesus said, I know the sounds. There's weeping, there's wailing, and there's gnashing. Of teeth, and I hear that. And Paul knew it because he said, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Paul preached with a passion that you don't often find anymore in a pulpit. He preached with a heart for the lost concerning his own countrymen in Israel. He said, If it was possible for me to give myself to be damned and lost to get them saved, I would do it. I don't want any of them to go to. That's how fearful he was of where people were headed. A man is willing to go to hell himself to keep them out of hell. But he realized 
My going to hell can't save anybody, and it will lose me in the process. But Jesus going to the cross could save everybody that would put their trust in Him and repent of their sin. And that's why He preached Jesus and Him crucified with such passion, knowing the what? The terror of the Lord. We persuade men. Listen to this carefully. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, thus say, Oh, let me finish the New Testament. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive thee. For what fellowship hath light with darkness, or Christ with Belial? Be ye not unequally yoked together. There are people right now that are making that compromise and the devil's making a concession with them so they'll make the compromise he's saying listen god's grace is going to cover that you can go ahead and do it you won't end up going back you'll end up leading that person to the lord that's the only thing i can do without saying something wrong that's baloney that's a lie out of the pit of hell if you're compromised enough to go ahead and go against the word of god What makes you think you're committed enough to lead that person to Jesus? Once you give them your heart, you're loving. Your love has been set. Don't be unequally yoked together, the believer and the non-believer. There are people come in my office to get married. First thing I ask them, do you believe on Christ as your Savior? Do you believe on Christ as your Savior? And you know something? Someone will inevitably tell me, and I can't prove any different. I can't see their heart. they'll say, yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer. And I will say, okay, you know God is listening. And God knows. I don't know, I'm going to take your word for it, but if you're lying to God, that's serious. If you're lying to me, I can't prove it. But God knows. And it's serious. This is my people. You don't belong to the world. You don't belong to the devil. You don't even belong to yourself. Amen. Thank God I'm not mine to do what I want to do all the time or get him to do what I think is, is, is that I need all the time. You are bought with a price and you are not your own. I like it. In fact, I love it. I'm glad I belong to God. Hallelujah. This is my son. My son. He said, when I made a covenant with Abraham with this nation, I bring them into a paternal, personal relationship, and I speak of them possessively. You're trying to enslave my possession, to claim my possession. Anybody that wants out of the prison of sin has to get out of the prison of self first. It's hard to preach this in the post-modern church because it's all about me. What can He do for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for you? Escaping the wrath to come. Forget the Escalade. Forget the Bentley. Forget the house, the, the, uh, the promotion, the money, the silver, the gold. What would a man give in exchange for his soul. What would we trade off? What can this world offer us? 
that we would look upon it longingly, knowing that the moment we take our last breath, we're going to spend eternity somewhere forever. And yet that forever in banishment and punishment, this place called hell is not a place that it's in vogue to preach anymore. Like one preacher who wanted to go was invited because of his testimony. And I think it was David Wilkerson, actually. They invited him because he'd written books and he had a certain amount of, you know, credibility as a, as a preacher of his day. And they, they wanted him to come. And, and someone asked him, are you going to have David come? And he says, no, I don't think so. He's just not sexy enough for our congregation. I'm not talking about sensuality. I'm talking about he's just not in that genre of preachers today that is just trying to get people in a building, give them something soothing like the young man that has said personally, and I'm not against him. I thank God Christ has preached. Hallelujah for that. But he said, I never mentioned sin. I never mentioned sin. I thought, how can you preach the Scripture and never? Jesus died so our sins can be forgiven. The Holy Ghost came into the world with the purpose to convince the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And that's why when Felix stood before the governor, after he heard... he he. He heard, or Felix, the governor, call for Paul, and Paul stood before him and said he expected to receive something from him. Give me a bribe to let you out. Let the church take you a love offering. Give it to me so I can release you and let you go. Instead, he gave him the gospel. He stood uncompromised in his presence. And when he got through preaching, if you want to know what Paul preached, it was a three-point sermon. Because when he got through preaching, we don't have the sermon, but we have his response, Felix's reaction to it. It said, and Felix reasoned of righteousness. You need to get right with God. You must be right with God. You cannot ever, ever leave this world and not be right with God. Temperance. Being right with God involves your body. Temperance, self-control, this, this wholesale giving myself over to sensuality and sin has to come to a screeching halt. We have a new master in Jesus Christ. And your body becomes His temple. Again, possessively, He's speaking of you. And righteousness, say it with me, righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. There's coming a payday. There's coming a payday. There's a judgment coming. Preach that in the postmodern church and you will be unwelcome. Jesus couldn't even get in the door with a message of repentance to Laodicea. Can you say, man, they wouldn't allow him in. If he came in to, to give them a financial seminar on how to get rich, they'd have threw both doors open wide and rolled out the red carpet. But he came to do what? As many as I love, I rebuke, and I chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. He's locked out. Christ is locked. Don't interpret this as just the world and the sinners in the world with their closed hearts. This is to the church of Laodicea. And many prophecy teachers believe it was represented 
perspective of the postmodern church that is in our world today. The times used to, they, we used to sing in the 60s, the times they are a-changing. Well, the times aren't changing anymore. The times have changed. The Bible warns us in Proverbs to meddle not with them that are given to change. Why? Because there's only one God, one mediator between God and man, and it's Jesus Christ. Solo Scriptura means the truth is found in one book. One book. Postmodern church does not allow for that. We're in a pluralistic society where one, body, one person's truth is as good as another's. No, there's no absolutes. But in Christ, there's an absolute. No man comes to the Father except by me. And on the talk show, when one preacher, and I love the way he answered it, I forget his name. <laughs> when, when, when they ask him, don't you think it was, it was prideful of Jesus to claim to be the only way to God? He immediately answered, not if it's true. If he is the only way to God, he has every right to claim he's the only way to God. It was his blood that was shed. And without the shedding of blood, there's no sacrifice for sin. You can't pick your way. It's not a cafeteria where you can pick what you want, reject what you don't want. Amen. The Bible spoke of those who were actual enemies of the cross, who pushed back at the love and grace that was demonstrated and provided. People don't want to hear about hell. Because when they're out partying their life away, when they're out compromising, making every concession to the devil for all practical purposes, you, once they're out of church, you couldn't tell them from anybody else. Flee fornication. No, don't just, don't dabble, run. Run! Run! And Joseph went down to Potiphar's. Potiphar went out of town. He put him in charge of everything. God's blessing was still on him. His wife made a play for him. And she said, lay with me, and he refused. She grabbed him by the cloak and tried to force him. And he left his cloak in her hand and ran from her presence. And then she accused him of rape. And they put him in prison. But I'll guarantee you, Potiphar knew that wasn't the case. Even though he went along with it. But didn't God bless him in prison? And didn't God keep him in prison? And didn't God, even in those circumstances, use him, amen, to provide for Israel in famine? Because Pharaoh promoted him from prison to second in command over all of his storehouses. Didn't he deliver him from his brother's intentions to get rid of him and kill him? Didn't God bless him because he did what? He did not compromise. Three Hebrew children did not bend and they did not bow. The devil is making concessions with people this Sunday morning. There are people in church not ready to meet the Lord. There are people in church not ready to follow Jesus and be any kind of a witness for him. When they go to work, you can't tell them from anybody else. They join in with every filthy joke. They join in with this crowd because they would rather have the praise of men. The Bible said that there were those that when they knew Jesus, 
they would not confess him because they knew what it would cost them if they did. They compromised. When they knew Jesus, they would not confess him because they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. This goes beyond who's praising you. This goes to where you're going to spend eternity. You can't go to heaven and not confess Jesus. You can't be a secret agent. If you confess me before men, I will confess you before the Father and His angels. But if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father and His angels. On that day of judgment, which is soon coming, many go into the broad gate and many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, we've done mighty works in your name. And he will say unto them, depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never, never, these are not people that knew him. And actually, these are people that never really came to know him, but they claim him as their Lord. I never knew you. What a terrible day. Why don't we hear that anymore? If something something is that important, why don't preachers preach it ever anymore? Because the postmodern church, my success symbol would be a big church full of giving people. A better car, a bigger house, and a bigger reputation as a pastor. There will be people not come back because I preach the word. It's been that way from the beginning for 44 and a half years. But there are people that wouldn't be here if I didn't preach the Word. Ain't a lot of them. But thank God for them. Because they do not want to hear a compromised message. They want to hear God's truth as it's written in Scripture. God doesn't apologize. We shouldn't apologize for what Jesus has taught Can you say amen? People go on Ophrah and they lose it. Compromise. Make concessions to get the applause of the audience. Listen to this carefully. We've got to hurry. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. I can't get away from it. We may not finish this. Amen. Come out from among them. Is it Second Corinthians? Come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord, and I will receive you. Touch not the unclean thing. For what fellowship hath light with darkness and Christ with Belial? Be not unequally yoked together, the believer and the unbeliever. As it is written, saith the Lord, you see, if we will comply, if we will live as the people who belong to God and not people that belong to the devil anymore, belong to this world anymore, and we live our life with different values, we have a different worldview, and we do not compromise that. He said, and I will be, as it is, as I will, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and my daughters. There's that possessiveness again. You belong to me. Act like a child of God. Live like a child of God. Can you say, man, you don't belong to the devil, so don't act like the devil. You don't belong to the world, so don't try to get them to embrace you. You belong to me. Rejoice in that. You're a peculiar people. What makes you peculiar? It doesn't mean weird. I have a picture of 
that, that was taken, and, and I think Doug put her in the arms of Jesus when they, we had the funeral for, for Ditter. Ditter was here. Amen. I would, say, I would say, you don't belong to the devil. You belong to God. Hallelujah. And she would acknowledge that. You don't belong to him. You did belong to him, but you don't belong to him. You were of your father, the devil, but now you have a heavenly father. You've changed fathers. You have changed fathers. Hallelujah. You've changed families. And there's something in the true believer. We're not of them that turn back unto perdition. Something has happened in us. Something powerful, personal, and supernatural. We're not of them that turn back unto perdition. We don't go back into the lawless life, the refuting God's Word and God's will and living on my own terms anymore. We belong to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let my people go as it is written, I will be a father you got my son and refusing to let my child go. How dare you? Compromising devil up of God. Not it. Hallelujah. Devil can't break it. Only my own people can break covenant. Listen carefully. Thou, oh, and thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And I say unto thee, let my son go, that he may serve me. Come on, we're beyond national nationality covenants. It's getting personal. It's getting familial. Does it say, let my son go in your Bible? Let my son go? God is saying, listen, this is not just a legal thing. This is a personal thing. You belong to me as a, as a son would belong to me. This is before Jesus came to be the only begotten Son. But this is a national covenant. But God said, it's personal with me. Thou art my Son. You're not just holding a bunch of people that, that I'm not identified with. This is personal. This is my Son. And the New Testament said, if you come out and be ye separate, saith the Lord unto me, you shall be my sons and my Daughters, as it is written, I will live in them and I will perambulate. I will walk in them, having therefore, beloved, these precious promises. Hallelujah. Let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear, the honor and reverence for God. Hallelujah. 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 I'm not a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. No, I'm not a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. Can you say, man, once that chain and that prison is broken, there's real freedom and real liberty to serve Him. Israel is my son. Isn't that incredible? Even my firstborn and I, I say unto thee, let my son go that he may serve me. This is not just national stuff. This is highly personal. Exodus 5, 1 and 2. 
And afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. But now listen, when the God of Israel begins to move in judgments in the land, suddenly concessions are made. The first time God has revealed himself with the people of Israel as the Lord God of Israel, the very first time in Holy Writ. See, he's not just, they're not just his people. He's now identifying himself as their God. He said it in the New Testament, I will be your God. We can speak of it. How, how do we pray? How do we pray? How do we pray, oh, great God of the universe? No, 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 no. There's a, listen carefully. Jesus said, when you pray, and by the way, don't, when you say the Lord's Prayer, it's not Christ's prayer. It's really a misnomer. Jesus didn't, Jesus' prayer for us is in John 17, not in Matthew. It's a wonderful prayer. I want you to be one like we are one. I want you to love them just like you love me. But they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And he said, when you pray, don't pray. First, he taught them how not to pray. Don't pray like the religious people pray think they're going to be heard by their much speaking you pray differently because you are different you're not just part of a religion you have a relationship with god you got the right religion but you don't have a relationship then something is missing terribly missing when you pray you begin it with a confirmation of relationship a reconciled relationship that has brought you into the royal family our Father. There's no lost reverence there because the next thing you say is, Hallowed be thy name. But this God of such glory and majesty that deserves such reverence is our Heavenly Father. Didn't He say, I will be a Father to you and you will be my sons? We can speak of Him possessively as He speaks of us possessively. I belong to Him and He belongs to me. I told you about my wife with her wedding band on. When I was a teenager, she was a teenager. She was a looker. In case she listened, she's still a looker. And everyone said, all right, we're all all right. She is. For her age and for my age. Moving right along. She goes to what was then the cash and carry. And a bag boy, 17 years old. Well, my wife was 16 with a baby in the buggy and a band on, a wedding band. Listen, when you've got a baby in the buggy and a wedding band, that's right. But, you know, to some people, there's no sacredness in marriage. Some people want to compromise. They don't want a commitment. 
So he comes up to her and says, do you date out? Do you date out? Now, when my wife come home and told, and she told him no, by the way, just so you know the rest of the story. I mean, who would leave me? Anyway. But you know something? Just the fact that he would hit on her with a baby in the buggy and a band on her finger. That got my dander up. I said, maybe I could go shopping with you next time. You could show me this guy. I'd like to meet him. Oh, yeah, I wasn't saved back then. <laughs> we wouldn't step outside. We'd never make it outside. It would happen right then, right there on the spot. Some guy was hitting on her when she had my ring around her neck. Remember that song? When you're back in my day going steady, if I took a ring off my finger and give it to her and she put it around her neck, that meant she was called for. She was taken. And you know how what I did the moment she put the ring around her neck to say I'm, I'm exclusive, I'm going steady. Everybody say going steady. I turned the collar up on my shirt. And in my school, when the collar was up, no, no, there's people that do it to be cool. But in my school, if you've got a ring on your ring, you're going steady. And if your collar is up, that means you're going steady. Won't you wear my ring around your neck? To tell the world, you're mine. Can I say it in church? By heck. Can you remember that song, uh, old Elvis? Well, I mean old Elvis. She was wearing my ring. My collar was up. And there was a guy that just kept hitting on her. Just kept hitting on her. We went to a teen place where you dance. And before I got there, he stepped up and asked her to dance. And you know, we were going steady. We were not married or anything. And she was, took a dance with him. And I come in, and she's dancing with him. And I wasn't saved back then. How many remember when you were not saved? You were different before you got saved. I was different before I got saved. Man, I, you ever seen a cartoon when the steam starts coming out of the ears? And steam was coming out of my ears. And I thought, <laughs> Well, uh, she was honored that I would, you know, she, she was honored. <laughs> what is, you better leave my, anyway, there's a song that goes to what I was feeling. You better leave my woman alone. You probably remember, but I can't remember the first part. You, and I, I remember, I didn't hurt him, but boy, I scared him. Because I was playing football back then, and we had a reputation. If you were a football player, you had to be, you know, you had to be pretty tough. And I remember grabbing him by the, by the collar and putting him up against the wall. And I was shaking. The adrenaline was flowing. And he went white as a sheet. He was a nice guy. But he's messing with the wrong fox. tell you something about God. Once we come into covenant with him, he is a jealous God and makes no apology for it. Not jealous in the sense of our human emotion, but in his covenant commitment. 
in the New Testament, it is so strong. The covenant and this relationship is so strong that James said that if we love the world, once we have come into covenant with him, we are spiritually, and he put it plain, he said, ye adulterers, what? And adulteresses. Don't you know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? I want you to listen to this covenant personal possessiveness. Listen to it. Paul said, I've espoused you. You are spoken for. You're more than going steady. An espousal in the Jewish economy was that that girl is going to marry that guy and that guy is going to marry that girl and that girl is as if she's already married without it being consummated yet. But for all practical purposes, no one is supposed to come on to her and she's not supposed to go out with anyone. I have espoused you, espoused you to one husband that I may present you unto Christ as a chaste virgin. Can you say amen? No matter what happened before you came to Christ, he said, now that you have come to Christ, amen, I have cleansed you so completely. And you're to make a devoted commitment to Him and Him alone. And the world can't blend into this. You don't date out. You're committed. 50% of the marriages in America are going to fail because there's nothing sacred in the covenant any longer. Thank God for the God that heals broken marriages, forgives divorce, but we can't keep going down that road. At some point, we need to be committed enough to Christ, to the kingdom and to the Word that we're not unequally yoked together. We make sure that whoever we're going to hook up with is committed to God as we are. And if they're not, we're going to wait and pray until they do. We're not going to jump the gun. Some people never come to me for marriage counseling because I'm going to ask that question. And I'm going to ask them to be honest. I remember a man and his fiance they came in my office at the old holy church of god and they wanted to get married i asked them the christian thing and yeah 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 we're both believers okay god is listening i don't know you but but you say and god is listening see i brought god right into it and then i said you understand the vows that you're going to make that god is going to be listening to that and they're sacred they're sacred better not to vow than to make a vow and break it before him Better not to say anything than to say something that you're not committed to. Because he takes it personally, takes it serious. And you know what? The man began to squirm. He was squirming, literally. He couldn't get comfortable in his seat. And you know what I heard three days later? The wedding was called off. And did you know why it was called off? getting so close and having the counseling and getting ready for the rehearsal because the man told his fiancée, I'm not ready to make that deeper commitment yet. Did it hurt her? And Yes, it did. But it was it the right thing to do? Absolutely. If God is going to be involved, if God takes it serious, if God is listening, 
then for heaven's sakes, don't lie to God. You see, it was lying to the Holy Ghost, not the apostles, that brought the immediate judgment in the early church. And it struck such fear into the congregation that no man disjoined himself to the. It wasn't popular to join that church and be part of that group. You had to be committed. We got churches right now that will compromise to get you to help them with their program to achieve their goals. And they will, they will not preach what I'm preaching to you this morning. They will not do it. You will not hear this or anything near this. But you will have a good time. You will be highly entertained by the singers. The beat will get you upbeat. They will send you home with a false security unless you personally know Jesus. But if you personally know Jesus, you want more than someone giving you a false security. You want the security that comes from knowing that you're born again and knowing you're right with God. I don't want you to doubt your salvation. I want you to get salvation if you don't have it. And I want you to know it's more than signing on a page of a book roll of a church roll or denominational preference. It's more than being baptized in water. God says if you come into the kingdom, it's not a revolving door. What fellowship hath light with darkness, Christ with devils? And the compromises are being made and made and made and made and made. Christian marriage has no more security than anyone in the world. The statistics, we're breaking the vows at the same frequency, the same level. And 25 years ago, it was different. 30 years ago, just that short a time, we've come that far away from the sacred and from devotion and from commitment. And there are churches that will get you in and get you out in a timely fashion. Highly energetic and entertaining. And you will get a history lesson and find out things about the Bible that you never knew. But you will not be challenged like you are this morning. And if you ever get in real trouble, you're going to need an anointing to break that yoke. You're going to need a God that's confirming His Word because it is His Word that you're hearing. Not some pre-prepared lesson to tell you how smart the preacher is. Can you say amen? And so when you know as much as he knows, where's that going to take you if you're not devoted to Jesus? It's going to take you absolutely nowhere. It's not about what you know when you leave the meeting. It's about who you know. And it's about how devoted you are to follow him. In a church world now, not just the world, but a church world that's flowing away from God. I will be your sons. I will be your daughters. I will be your father. You will be my sons and my daughters. Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. That's not sinless perfection. Holiness is akin to sanctification, cleansed, set apart unto God. We belong to Him for what? A holy purpose. You are bought with a price. What is the price? The blood of Jesus. 
You're not redeemed with corruptible things. You can't compare it to anything the world can tantalize you with. There's nothing like this. There's no love like this. There's no ransom like this ransom. You are not redeemed with that that can corrupt and decay and be lost and death can take from you. You were redeemed with the precious blood of the Lamb without spot and without blemish. That means that you are a holy nation, a peculiar people, a royal priesthood that you and I might show forth the praises of Him. And that's not a worship service. It's the word virtues in the Greek. It means that that, that, that causes His Shekinah to, to flow, that character of God in flesh that causes its godliness, causes His virtue, His character to be seen in our own life. Wow. But if we want the world to embrace us, Satan will say, fine, go to church. I don't want you in church. I wish you wouldn't go, but you're too afraid not to. So go on to church. But once you walk out those doors, you seek to be accepted among the peers that you work with, the people that you affiliate with. You seek their praise rather than God's favor. You hold, you put your lamp under a bushel you don't want your light to shine before in fact some people don't have a candle they don't have a light to put under a bushel because they've never truly been born again so i keep hearing about this church and that church and this church and that preacher And I keep waiting to hear somebody sound the alarm to blow the trumpet in Zion, to sound the alarm in my holy city. Watchman, son of man, book of Ezekiel, son of man, I've made thee a watchman over Israel. You're accountable to me for them. They're mine. If you see the enemy coming, you know their intention is to take that city, enslave and kill those people. And you fail to warn. Everybody say warn. And you fail to warn my people. And they come. And you didn't warn them. And they're caught off guard and they're destroyed. I will require their blood at your hand. I made a decision when I went into ministry not to fear anybody's hard looks, not to fear if people left the ministry, amen, because I'm going to account for your soul. I can't afford, amen, to tell you what you wish I would preach, what you may want to hear, to not go into those areas that make you uncomfortable on Sunday morning. Amen. You ought to be comfortable with God. You ought to be comfortable with His Word. David got so comfortable with, he said, I'm, I'm not going to be tentative in following you anymore. I'm going to run the way of thy commandments. Can you say, man, I'm not going to follow you afar off. I'm going to follow you up close and personal. Hallelujah. 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 As we close today, I'm so glad to belong to Him.
in the book of Revelation, there's spiritual Babylon and there's economic Babylon. And as far as God is concerned, this that the world prizes above everything else, and that's the money, the silver, the gold, and the materialism. It's under his judgment. So he re reiterates Babylon is fallen. Listen to the reiteration, is fallen. Has it failed yet? No. But it's already under the consternation and the condemnation of God himself. It's under God's judgment. It is destined to fall. And when that city fell, what happened? The whole world mourned because the world was getting rich from this economic epicenter. And when the materialistic message came in the church, the church, by and large, the charismatic church, the Pentecostal church, the ones that used to have the power, the holiness, the sanctification, we embraced it. And today it is a message that people are coming in droves to hear because they love the world more than they love Christ. So this message of self-denial and taking up a cross is rejected. This message of self-indulgence and having every blessing we could imagine is embraced. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't? All this in heaven too? Jesus says you can't do that. You can't do that. You can't serve two masters. So do what? Lay up your treasure. Not upon the earth, but lay it up in heaven where the thief can't steal it and the rust can't corrode and corrupt it. For where a man's treasure is, what happens? That's where his heart is going to be. That's where his devotion is going to be. How did we get here? We began to drift and no one stood up and said to God's people, this is the way, walk ye in it. And if they did, they were put down for doing so. The message I'm preaching to you is outdated. Someone came to our church years ago and said, you are like a dinosaur. I said, well, if I'm a dinosaur, I want to be a T-Rex. Hallelujah. For Jesus. And they used an, an, an analogy because they had been to Nashville just after they opened the new auditorium. And they said there's something different. It's not like the old Ryman, which used to be a church and had natural acoustics, even with all the sound systems. There was something about the old Ryman. I'm not talking about going backward instead of forward. I'm, I'm Listen, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Stand in the gateways. Stand in the highways. And call for what? Call for what? This progressive, new age, postmodern. No, call for the old pathways. And find the good way. And begin to walk in it. Can you say, man, I'm an old pathway preacher. You know why? Because there's no new path. There's no different path. There's only one path. Hallelujah. And we're to walk in the, He will lead us in the what? The path of righteousness for what purpose for his name's sake you're identified with me you're my children act like it hallelujah live like it and don't be ashamed of me 
before men. Hallelujah. One day they're going to draw their last breath. You're going to draw your last breath. And you belong to me. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say, my son. He called Israel his son. Not his only begotten like Jesus, but in the personal relationship of this covenant. My sons. He says it again in the new covenant. You'll be my sons if you'll come out. If you'll be separate. You'll be my sons and my daughters. And I will live in you and I will walk in you and move in you and move to you and through you. Having this kind of promises. Beloved brethren, let us cleanse ourselves. Oh, we need a house cleaning in the house of God. And we need a house cleaning in the temple of God. My body is His temple. I go to eat, I pray different. God got a hold of me and I'm telling you, I'm glad to be held by Him. In this day when so many are turning back, compromising, falling away. I'm glad to belong to Him and want to go where He goes. To follow Him up close and personal. I go to pray over my food. I said, Lord... Your food, this food I lift up before you, is sanctified by the Word and prayer. Well, it can't be sanctified by the Word if I pray my normal thanksgiving. Thank you for the food. Thank you for the, over the, over the teeth and through the gums. Look out, belly, here it comes. No, 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 that's foolishness. It's sanctified. Why is it sanctified? Why do we, why does He want to sanctify our food? Because we are sanctified unto Him. It's what? All things are be received just with thanksgiving alone or when it's sanctified by the word and prayer. I said, Lord, I lift this food up to be sanctified by you. And I declare the word of God that you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my physician. And Lord, as this food is sanctified unto me, my body is sanctified unto thee. Therefore, let it be health to my navel and marrow to my bone. There's too much defeat. There's too much failure. There's too many people that are living beneath all of the privileges and rights of the covenant. Not because they haven't been to a meeting to tell them what their covenant is, but because they're not living like covenant people. Israel got defeated and they had a covenant with God. He didn't break it. He never broke it. But when they worshiped false gods and when they bowed to other gods, it was all off. Their enemies came in and their enemies took them captive, enslaved them and ravaged them and killed them. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Isaiah, such a precious call. Though your sins were scarlet, they shall be as wool, red like crimson. They shall be white as snow. If you repent, there's a cleansing for you. If you be willing and obedient. If you want to serve me and you begin to make the necessary adjustments in your life to indicate that, that's true repentance. You'll eat the good of the land. Everybody say true prosperity. Begins with sanctification and consecration. 
if you refuse and rebel, you shall be destroyed by the sword. Your enemies will conquer you. And if you were right with me, they couldn't touch you. They come out before you one way when you're right with me and they flee before you seven ways in complete disarray and defeat. So where's the message of repentance and consecration so we can truly enjoy the blessings of the covenant? We bypass all of that and go straight to the promise of blessing without the repentance and without the consecration. You want to see miracles? God said, tomorrow I'm going to take you in the promised land. I'm going to give it to you supernaturally. There's a river barrier. (laughs) That river's about to part to get them in. There are enemies. They're about to be routed to give it to them. You know what he says to them so they can claim that blessing? Consecrate the people tonight. Make sure they are devoted to me tonight. Not just devoted to getting the stuff and getting the material blessing, but devoted to me. For tomorrow, I will do wonders among them. But it doesn't begin with faith to believe God for miracles. It begins with fidelity to God. To serve Him and Him alone. Do you understand why we don't see the miracles with such teaching on faith and such great faith teachers? Do you get it? Consecrate the people. Tell them to be separate unto me. To sanctify themselves unto me. To make sure they serve no other gods. And when He brought them in, He told them this. He said, beware. I'm bringing you into a land with milk, flows with milk and honey. Stay consecrated. Beware lest thou, when thou art eaten and art full. And when thou hast got ore from those mountains and you're able to make vessels and weapons of iron. And you prosper like you've never known. Beware lest thou, lest thou forget the Lord thy God by not keeping his commandments that he commands you this day because with the prosperity one of the required reading years ago for the Cleveland Church of God and their seminary was Leonard Ravenhill's book Why Revival Tarries and he made a statement in that book because of the blessing that's been on America for so many years he said America he was a British preacher concerned about our nation and where it was headed and where the church was headed within our nation. And he said, America has been cursed with blessings. You know when blessing becomes a curse? When it takes you away from God. When you become independent and self-sufficient and you lose your devotion because you've got everything you need. You don't need God desperately. Oh, honey, I need God for every breath that I take. Listen. America has been cursed with blessings, and if she does not repent, she will be blessed with cursings. Judgments will come in this nation. Little old lady, and I don't agree with her theology, but you can't, you can't criticize her works of compassion and love. The little lady from India that would go get somebody laying in their own excrement on a street corner waiting to die and take them in, her and some of her nuns, and they would clean them up and minister to them until they were dead in a place of comfort and cleanliness and 
carrying instead of alone, destitute on the street in India. What was her name? Mother Teresa. I said I didn't agree with the theology. But you can't criticize the works. She stood uncompromisingly. They brought her to give her some prize in America. Clinton was president and his wife and the congressmen and senators came to honor her. You know what she said? She said, you have legalized abortion in America. You're killing the unborn viable lives by the tens of thousands. And you wonder why. There's so much murder in your schools, in your streets, in your nation. Because you do not hold life sacred than the conscience about taking a life has been seared. And you live in a bloody nation. And no one can refute it. And no one can deny it. And when your kids go to school right now, there is no guarantee that someone won't come in and just try to kill them for the sake of killing them. But we just keep killing and killing and killing. And we have multiplied the tens of thousands to the millions now with no end in sight. But give me my mansion and give me my Bentley and give me my blessing and let it go. Don't sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Don't shake me up. And whatever you do, don't wake me up. And don't call me to consecration. Someone told me one time, I'll be there, Brother Venable, if the creek don't rise. What an old saying. Creeks used to get flooded and you couldn't get across them. So I responded, and I didn't mean it facetiously, but I did mean it if God wants you there. And if you want to be there, if He parted the Red Sea... He can part that creek, hallelujah. Why don't you just say I'm coming, creek or no creek? Hallelujah. Creek is always going to rise when we're following Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. First time God has revealed himself with the people of Israel as the Lord God of Israel. God, therefore, is absolutely committed to the liberation of his people that they may serve him. The command to Satan is let my people go. And the command to the saints is come out. So to those that are involved in this system that will be in place in the end time, in the last days during the tribulation, come out of her, come out of her, come out of her, come out of her. Come out of her, come out of her, come out of her, come out of her. You're mine, you belong to me, you don't belong in that city. Come out of her, come out of this spiritual, economic epicenter that the whole world is going to cry like a baby when it's judged and it falls. Because the whole world is getting rich off of their riches. And right now the silver and gold is what is attracting people to churches in America. The promise of silver and gold. Come out of her. My people. That you not be a what? A partaker of her plagues. 
I got to quit. But I feel the Lord here today. How many believe this message is needed in the church, not just this church? Where are you going to go to hear it or anything similar? I don't get out and around, but from what I hear, no one's blowing the trumpet in Zion. There's no alarm, no state of emergency declared in the holy city. But if if anyone is God called in this generation, he said, go to the house of Israel. Open thy mouth. Spare not. You tell the truth that I'm giving you. Blow the trumpet in Zion. And show my people. This is not about the world and evangelism and sinner. This is about God's covenant people. Show my people their sin. And the house of Jacob, their transgressions. That's why Laodicea wouldn't open the door to Jesus when he knocked. Because what was his message when it's all summed up? As many as I love, I rebuke and I chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Can you say, man, repentance is like it's not needed. It's not necessary. America is going to continue to be blessed and we'll all get rich off of her blessing. I mean, look at his car. Look at their house. And what are they saying? If you release your faith and seed into my ministry, you can have a house just like that. You can have a car just like that. Babylon. Spiritual Babylon is already filtering in to the church of Jesus Christ. I want to live for God. I wouldn't go to church and play the game. You can't entertain me enough. You've got to challenge me. I'm serious about my walk with God. God is serious about his children. How many people in this room are glad you belong to him? That you're a Christian, that he speaks of you in the covenant as his own. Having that kind of promise, the Bible said, let's cleanse ourselves. Let's do a house cleaning. How many in this room believe there might be something, something, in terms of your devotion or consecration that is in the way that we need to do a house cleaning with, that we could do that personally. I know there's been things, and there will continue things are going to crop up in my life. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've arrived, but I'm on my way. I haven't apprehended, but I've been apprehended that I might apprehend what I've been apprehended to apprehend. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm challenged to be a, a man of God, not just a good man, <laughs> hallelujah, but a man of God, because I belong to Him. I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. My Father is holy, but He's still my Father. Hallelujah. Our Father. Can we say it collectively before we leave? Our Father. Our Father, our Father, He's saying, yep, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. Hallelujah, you are reconciled, brought into the royal family, so sanctified by the blood of my Son that the Holy Spirit can come and live in your mortal body and make it His temple, and the Father and the Son can make it His home.
You are peculiar. And vive la difference. You're in the world, but you're not of it. Hallelujah. Praise God. My values are different. Our values should be different. Hallelujah. Well, I'm ready to get cleaned up, consecrated, because I want to see his wonders again. Can you say man? Hallelujah. How many want that cleansing? Just raise your hand. I'm not even looking. Just let God see it. I want that cleansing, Brother Venable. I want sanctification to be part of my daily life. You know how often Paul did it? You know how often Paul did it? Daily. That's right, Willie. He said, I sanctify myself every single day of my life. So I'm praying over a cheeseburger. And I say, Lord, sanctify. I didn't ask him to take the calories out. I can't always live on cheeseburgers. Lord, Lord, have mercy. You know, I try to eat healthier than just all the time. But I ask him, Lord, sanctify the food, any food. It could be health food, but sanctify it unto my body as I sanctify my body unto you. That it might be health to my navel. More than just calories for me to run on. But it, that might be health to my navel and marrow to my bone. Nourish me with, I don't pray all of that at once. But you know what I'm saying. Nourish me with this food like you nourish me with your word. Hallelujah. Praise God. So I sanctify. Remind myself of who I am in him. For the grace of God that's been given to all men teaching us. Denying ungodliness, we should live righteously and godly in this present wicked, evil world. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, there's nothing wrong. We're going to try that one more time in unison. There's nothing wrong with... Hallelujah. Oh, I love this congregation. Glory to God. God going to take us somewhere. I thought he just wanted me to keep preaching faith. And if I keep preaching faith, our faith is going to get to the level that we're going to see his miracles because of our great faith. But you know something? We'll never see the wonders just because of our faith without consecration, without dedication, without true devotion. And that's what God is calling for. I want to answer the call. I'm glad I belong to him today. And one day, these old dinosaur preachers, because I do not believe that the message that's out there today will bring blessing on this nation because there's no repentance in it. I don't believe it will bring lasting blessing, only the short material thing in the life of those people. But I do believe God will open the windows of heaven. I believe he will come down upon the mountains Cause the mountains to shake, the top to boil, and run down the mountains and cause the, the waters to boil. I believe that God will come down if we begin to seek Him again, like He used to come down in days of old. I do believe that. How about you today? Father, I just thank you and I love you. And these things have set so long, they go off so they don't burn themselves out. So will you stand to your feet? A lot of people raise their hand, but God is so good. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Let's come together on this.
Let's stand together in this. Let's go on this journey together. Hallelujah. How many want to be sanctified and meet for the master's use in these last days? How many want to lay your head down tonight and know there's nothing between you and God and the miracle you need can come? And it don't see faith isn't the supreme issue in miracles. A mustard seed can move a mountain in the area of faith. But consecration and dedication is essential to people claiming a covenant blessing when they don't want to come into covenant with God. Amen. No wonder we go to such length to build faith without building character, without calling for commitment to follow Jesus. And the great missionaries that have went into the nations and laid down their lives so others could hear about Christ are not the ones. Their books, like Watchman Nee and others, are drawing dust in the Christian bookstore. But the flashy guy and gal with the big car and the big house are selling like hotcakes. And it wouldn't be that way if God's people would get sick and tired of being merchandised, being consoled with empty promises. When the chips are down, the miracles and the wonders are not occurring. And we've got to have them restored, not just for our sake, but for His name's sake. Mark us with miracles as we consecrate ourselves unto Thee. Tomorrow I'll do wonders. Get the people ready to experience the supernatural that I may give them the land. They're my people. Hallelujah. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, you see, the, you see my heart. Lord, I love you. I've seen so many shipwrecks. It almost made me walk away from the pastorate so I didn't have to see it up close and personal anymore. I've seen such defeat that it's become bitter to my taste. I've seen so many people turn and go back and so many people unequally yoke. So many people keep choosing the world over the kingdom over and over and over again. Running to and fro, just like you said they would do. Looking for that that will satisfy, not that that will sanctify. Oh God, send us a mighty move of your Holy Spirit in these last days days for the time is short and the coming of the lord is at hand heavenly father i want to take a leadership role in calling for the old pathways i want to take that be a vanguard of those that you have left i am not in the cave of elijah there are others that have this and it's coming forth. This message is coming or something similar. Hallelujah is coming because your coming is so very, very near. And you're getting your people prepared. And I believe before his coming, there's going to be a mighty last day revival. I believe that. I believe we're going to see the miracles return. The wonders return. Hallelujah. When we see people return to God, God is going to return to them. 
How will we know? You'll know. I'll know. The world will know. Hallelujah. Praise God because the supernatural will be natural to every one of us. Hallelujah. Amen. 